The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. It's about trust. Yeah, yeah. It's about faith. It's about trust. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. Your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel and she privately mediates business, employment, divorce, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Marie's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI. She also trains corporate leaders powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about this show and our great guests, please visit ConflictHealing.com. Samari, who's your guest today? We have a wonderful guest today. He is the author of this great new book called Just Listen, Discover the Secret to Getting Through to Absolutely Anyone. Dr. Mark Goldston is our guest, and I want to tell you a little bit about him. He is a medical doctor, a psychiatrist, and he's also a business advisor, consultant, speaker, trainer, and coach. And it's interesting because he was trained as a clinical psychiatrist who honed his skills as an FBI police hostage negotiation trainer who increases people's ability to get through to anyone. He is or has been a member of the National Association of Corporate Directors and the Worldwide Association of Business Coaches, and he is the best-selling author of four prior books, including the international bestseller, Get Out of Your Own Way, also Over- Overcoming Self-Defeating Behavior, another one, Get Out of Your Own Way at Work, and Help Others Do the Same. He is a contributor to the Harvard Harvard Business School uh, magazine, and he blogs for Huffington Post, and he is also let's see, um, he blogs for the Harvard Business Review, Fast Company, Business Insider, and Psychology Today, and he co-hosts a weekly radio show also, and he's featured frequently in the major media, including the Wall Street Journal, Fortune, Newsweek, Time. CNN, Fox News, and the Today Show, and he lives just up the coast in Los Angeles, and you can learn more about him at our website at conflicthealing.com, where you'll see his picture, his bio, you'll see the JPEG of his book, and also Mark Goulston, that's M-A-R-K-G-O-U-L-S-T-O-N.com, and also he has, he's going to tell us about another website in just a few minutes that you can find out more about him. So thank you so much, Mark, for joining us. I I sound like a legend in my own mind. (laughs) That's right, that's right. So Mark, tell us, how did you get from being a clinical psychiatrist into all these exciting things that you're doing? Well, I started out 
as a clinical psychiatrist with a specialty in death and dying and suicide intervention. Mm. And so I would do house calls to dying patients and their families, and sometimes the dying patient was a founder of a company, and, and when I was effective, I could resolve conflicts that had, been going, that had never been resolved, sometimes in hours when I spoke to the family, and so the next generation would say, can you come in and help our business? And I said, I don't know, I'm a psychiatrist, I deal with jealousy, envy, backstabbing, chips on the shoulder, you got any of that? And they looked at me and they said, that's all we have. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll tell you, it's interesting because I, I think what I discovered is if you can look for the elephant in the room, if you can listen not only to words, but listening in between words, often if you focus on that, it will reveal itself to you. So something that would happen towards some of the endings of some of those first meetings is I would, first of all, and you'll know this from mediation, is I would meet with people individually, you know, what you'd call caucusing. Right. And my purpose in meeting with them is that at the end of whatever time I spoke with them, that they would feel that I got them, that I got their point of view, that they felt heard and they felt understood. Mm -hmm. And I would use that as kind of a leverage to help the whole group. And I remember uh, a couple occasions where I would be there after I'd met with each of them, and I'd say, well, it seems to me that uh, there's a few things that we're all facing here. One thing is that we're running out of time. The other thing is uh, there's a number of people in this room who have grudges against other people in this room. And uh, and I think that if something isn't done about that, that after your father or your mother passes, you will never speak to each other ever again. And I don't think that would, that would make your mother or father happy. Right. So what I would like to do now, and they're all looking at me like, who is this guy? <laughs> and I'd say, so what I would like to do now is I would like to... Ha- hear people starting to apologize to each other, and whatever you're apologizing for doesn't have to be recent, because I think some of these things go back decades. Right. It doesn't even have to be accurate, because your imagination will twist it the way all of our imaginations do. It just has to be heartfelt, Right. and whoever goes first is, to me, the family hero. <laughs> and, they, and they look at each other... Everybody the only time to go they've first. really been agreed. They look at each other like, who is this crazy guy? <laughs> and I said, I mean it. We're running out of time. And then what would happen is one by one, they would start to apologize. I am sorry that I, I you know, got dad to think better of me by playing up your drug habits. And I'm sorry that I did this. So I'm sorry that I aced you out of such and such. And what happened is they just rushed in to get some of that stuff off their chest. Mm. And it just, I think you can actually see it, Mari, and, yeah. and, and it flecks the entire room. Yes. And so part of what I've focused on then is focusing on what's not spoken, the elephant in the room, and that's what I've done when, uh, when I work with businesses. Right, right. And and I think the, so many people think that they listen, but they're really thinking about something else at the same time about how they're going to respond. So let's talk about, and, and you 
beautifully show great examples about the power of effective listening and active listening. So let's kind of just talk for just a few minutes about the steps that you use to to have people really just listen to each other. Well, the, inside the book, there's one chart, and it's called the persuasion cycle. And the persuasion cycle is when you're trying to move someone from resistant to listening to listening to uh, to willing uh, uh, to considering. Yes. So resistant to listening, listening, considering, uh, willing to do, doing, and then glad they did. And so often when I do trainings, uh, most people will intuitively know well, that makes sense that you want in your conversations to move people from resistant to listening all the way through those steps and ending up with glad they did, which they demonstrate by telling other people. Right. And, uh, and so that's, so all the chapters conform to helping you move through those. In the interest of time, we can't cover too many. But one, one of the things uh, that I also am a big fan of, one of my late mentors, uh, I, I have what I call a dead mentors society because my last living mentor passed away about six months ago, and his name oh. was Warren Bennis. Mm. And Warren Bennis probably invented the field of leadership, and I loved Warren, and I miss him. And one of the things that Warren said, amongst many things, is try to be a first-class noticer. Mm. What that means is when you notice something, when you notice what someone's doing or saying, you're much more connected to it than when you're merely looking, watching, and seeing. When you're looking, watching, and seeing, you're an observer. But when you're noticing, you're a participant. Right. And so uh, some of the different steps of listening, and ones that I talk about in the book is uh, that there are four levels of listening, and there's four levels of talking. And so what you want to do is to uh, be aware of the four levels of listening. And the four levels of listening is there's removed listening, reactive listening, responsible listening, and receptive listening. Right. And the way, uh, and what removed listening is, is that's what a, uh, that's what a spouse who's reading his or her, but usually his iPad and text messages and <laughs> his spouse is trying to get his attention and she says something. And because he can multitask, he looks at his spouse and with a grin, he parrots back what she said and he smiles with pride. Well, that guy is an idiot. <laughs> and he's going to sleep in the den. I kid you not. So that's removed listening. Right. That means, you know, okay, so it registers, but you're not there. Right. And then there's reactive listening. Reactive listening is really being very defensive. Whatever the other person says, you take issue with it. Then there's responsible listening. And responsible listening is when you're listening to someone and you're, you're listening to what they're saying and you're responding in a very respectful way. And that's business as usual. But what I coach people in and train them in is receptive listening. And receptive listening is much more intimate. So the difference between uh, uh, responsible listening is listening to someone. Receptive listening is listening into someone. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll demonstrate it with you. So mm -hmm. if I'm listening to you, yes. you very uh, thoughtfully, patiently, and uh, in, a, in a very sweet and interested way, uh, you know, ask me questions about 
uh, steps and how people can listen better. So I'm listening to you, and like probably most guests, if they're decent, I'm doing hopefully a okay job, plus or minus the tangents I go on, which you're being very tolerant of. <laughs> um, but if I was listening into you, yes. kind of like I used to listen into those rooms when I use house calls, what I'm hearing you not saying, and then I want you to tell me if it's accurate, is that this is a calling you have. This is much more than a business and a profession. That it's something that calls out to you to improve. And that because of what you do, you, like me, have seen all the needless pain and suffering between people. That if they could just resolve situations, if they could do it in a certain way, they might be able to actually save the relationship. Right. And that really matters to you. And I'm guessing it's even aligned with your identity. And that's why I brought you on this Is that accurate this show. what I just said? Yes, absolutely. It is a calling for me, just like it's a calling for you, which I can tell for you, too. So that's beautiful. That's why I said we're kindred spirits. Yes. And, that, and that's receptive listening. And what parallels that? So after you listen, and, and what I do in my coaching and ask people is I ask them, every time you've had a conversation with someone, ask yourself what level of listening you did. Grade yourself, and was there an opportunity to do receptive listening? Because sometimes all you're doing is responsible listening because you're just doing an exchange or a transaction. But if there is an opportunity for receptive listening, that really differentiates you from uh, from the competition. And so after you do that, there's four levels of talking that go along with the listening. So you can talk over people, which goes along with remove listening. And, and the way you'll know these four different levels, talking over, talking at, talking to, and talking with, is by the other person's body language. Now, I'm pretty sensitive to this, so I can even pick it up on the phone because I can pick up the tone in their voice. Mm. But, uh, uh, and with practice, everyone can get better at that. So when you're talking over someone, if you were doing that and giving a presentation and you were talking over the crowd in a condescending way, their body language is that they're insulted. And unless they're martyrs, if there's a break, they shouldn't come back to hear you unless you're giving amazing content because it's disrespectful. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're talking at someone, that goes along with reactive listening. It's, it's the equivalent of, with your words, pointing your finger in their face, and they're going to have one of two responses. If they have been abused when they were younger, they're going to hunker down and they're going to tuck their chin in because you're giving them a flashback of someone who is maybe abusive to them, and, and the look on their face is going to be, you know, please don't be angry at me. Right. Or they're going to stick their chin out at you and narrow their eyes and with a look that says, you can't talk to me that way. Right. Well, you think you are. So that's how you know if you're talking at someone. When you're talking to someone, which goes along with responsible listening, they're nodding from the neck up. That's, geez, that makes sense. This is fine, and thank you very much. Now, when you're talking with someone, which follows having listened into them, what you'll see is they relax their shoulders, their neck. They kind of lean into it, and they exhale. So when you have receptively listened to someone and talked with them, one of the ways you'll know it is you'll feel them, you'll see them kind of exhaling because 
what's happened is you've crossed over the uh, the subjective tipping point. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone, Mari, with uh, where you say, "This is not just a conversation. I could be friends with this person." Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And you find yourself leaning into that, and so to me, that's the gold standard, and that's you know, and there's a mission that I'm on that I uh, will get to uh, sooner or later. Yeah, you're really connecting at that level, right? There's like a whole unity of of uh, discussion at that point when you're really listening and being receptive and they feel heard and they feel connected to you because now they're they're understood they're not just heard they're really understood at a, a deep listening level well, well i think there's a continuum and from the worst to the best when you have conversations someone can feel presumed upon that is that's an awful kind of feeling after that they can feel figured out which is okay but it feels almost artificial Right, uh, and, uh, and and that's one of the problems for analytic people in their marriages because they often give advice and solutions that the other person doesn't want and often resents. Mm-hmm. Because what that other person really wants is to feel understood, but the gold standard is when they feel felt. Because when they feel felt, it's more than understood. They feel they feel less alone. And I can remember I spoke about. Uh, an anecdote in the book where I was with a CEO and it was really difficult to get a meeting with him and I could see that the last thing he wanted to do was to talk with someone like me. There was something else more in his mind. Now I can be kind of bold and sometimes, I, hopefully I don't cross into being brazen, but I can be bold and I, and, and I looked at him and he was like a footballer type. He must have been about 270 pounds. There were football trophies and you know he, he wasn't looking at me and he was fiddling with papers and Imagine saying this. This is kind of bold. I said, hey, how much time you got for me there? Yeah. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, what? And I knew he was going to throw me out. I said, "I said, look at your calendar. How much time you have for me? And he's fiddling, and I know that I've got 30 seconds, and he's going to throw me out. He said, 20 minutes. <laughs> and I looked at him, and I said, look, we're into minute three. And there is something on your mind which is much more important speaking to me, and I think what we would have to talk about is worth your undivided attention, but you can't give it to me, because there's something on your mind, and here's the deal. I'd like you to take the next 15 minutes, we'll reschedule this, or you can tell your assistant to not let me back in because I was so rude, but take the next 15 minutes, do what, make a call and figure out whatever's on your mind and make it better, because it's not fair to me, it's not fair to other people, take care of whatever's on your mind. And he looks at me, and he starts tearing up. And I said to myself, Mark, you promised you weren't going to make grown men cry when you went into the business world. Just, wait, can you leave that with your shrink practice for crying out loud? And so he tears up, and he looks at me, and he says, you've known me for four minutes, and you know something that people 20 yards from us don't know because I am private. My wife's having a biopsy, and it doesn't look good. And my wife is stronger than me, and she said, you go to work, but I'm not really here. Mm. And I said, I understand. I'm so sorry. Go be with her. You shouldn't be here. Right. You're not here. Go, go take care of it. And he was like a, one of these big Newfoundland dogs coming in from the rain, and, and it's like he shook his shoulders, and he went, Poof! and then he got very centered, and he looked at me, and he said, I'm not as strong as my wife, but I'm pretty strong, uh, and I'm here now. 
and you've got my undivided attention, and you have your full 20 minutes. Mm. So can you picture that in your mind? Yes, I can picture that. That's wonderful. At least he was able to express that. You know, he being the private person he was, he probably did not want to tell his assistant or other people around what was going on. And so he had his own psychiatrist for a couple minutes. Well, too. he did. And something, I, I coach a lot of leaders, and, and actually part of my, I coach more women who want to make it into the C-suite, and they want to be seen as leaders. And uh, one of the things that I coach everybody about is... What people seem to really respond to is when you take charge without being controlling or judgmental. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is I took charge of the conversation, but I wasn't controlling or judgmental. Right. And I think people lean into that, and, I, and that's what I try to coach women to do. I'm not, a couple of years ago, I was the only male speaker at a Mattel women's conference. Mm. And that must have been fun. Oh, it was fun, and and they were emba- well, and they were kind of embarrassed because mm-hmm. I think my talk was the highest rated. They said this this is not right. You know, we, we just threw you in there, and I said, well, you know, I'm sorry. Ne- next time I'll fumble. And, yeah, well, you were their uh, token male. No. There you go. <laughs> and, and and by the way, uh, if you look up Mattel YouTube and my last name, you'll see six clips from that talk. Oh, fun. But but talking about this leadership and and taking charge of a conversation one of the things uh, that, that I'll uh, share that uh, that they seem to like uh, when I've asked women why do you why do you use me as a coach why don't you use a woman and they said you're like the big brother I always wanted oh. and I said what does that mean and they said you're playful you're mm-hmm. irreverent uh, you're smart you'll tell me something uh, that I need to hear, and you could say to me, like, almost like you're talking to your sister, saying, Sis, what the heck were you thinking? That'll never work. And they say, I accept it because it's laced with love. Right. And and so about 25 of the women in the Mattel audience came up to me afterwards because I had said to them, I think Lean In was a great book, but a lot of women don't know what to do with that. Does that mean be aggressive? Does that mm. mean be pushy? Does that mean use the B word? Mm-hmm. And so what I suggest to them is be the big sister that everybody always wanted or be that gifted little sister. That's a special identity. And I think 20 people came up to me, 20 women, they said they'd never thought about that identity. They thought that's a great kind of energy because that's a take charge yes. and also confront people, but do it laced with love. I love it. You know, you you might get a kick out of this. Um, You know, I'm an attorney, but I do mediation, and I say that I'm a dolphin, like a dolphin attorney instead of a shark, that I'm gentle yet powerful. So that's what I think you were just saying. You're gentle but powerful at the same time, which which is that love that you give. So I I can tell that. I I can tell that comes across, and you're the the iron and loving fist in the velvet glove. So we are speaking today with Dr. Mark Goulston, who has this wonderful book called Just Listen, Discover the Secret to Getting Through to Absolutely Anyone. 
You know, Mark, I really wanted to ask you about, I loved where you were talking about the uh, amygdala brain, and I want to talk about that because I think that so important when we're trying to resolve conflict. You know, how do you, how do you get the brain to go from no to yes? And talk about, uh, w- would you just share with my audience sure. about those three levels of the brain and, and kind of what happens? And yeah. if you talk to somebody when they're in their reptilian brain, what happens? Well, what happens is that we, I'm a great fan of something called the triune model of the brain, which was first uh, described by a neuropsychologist, Paul McLean, and he basically said we have three functional brains. We have a human brain, which has been around for, uh, for 250,000 years, and underneath that we have a mammalian emotional brain. The human brain's rational, uh, the mammalian brain's emotional. And that's been around for 65 million. And then underneath that is our reptilian fight-or-flight brain, and that's been around for 245 million, uh, you know, plus or minus a decade, I guess. But uh, uh, And in the middle of our mammalian brain is something called an amygdala. And an amygdala is kind of like a, kind of like a point guard or an emotional sentinel. The way I look at it is look at it as if it's boiling water. Yeah. And when someone is pushing you, uh, and the water overflows, it scalds you, and what can happen in your brain is that when someone is pushing you, uh, your amygdala can hijack you, and what it does is it throws you into your automatic responses, you know, that you've already, that you've learned, but you're not able to look at and assess what's right in front of you objectively. Right. And so what you really want to do is be able to uh, stop an amygdala hijack, and there's one chapter that seems to be <laughs> that people seem to go back to, and it's called "How to Move Yourself from O F to OK." And since this is a nice radio station, we'll say it's <laughs> O fudge. But you can you, you can say whatever you want. Right, right, it is right. but basically what it is is recognize when you're reacting, and the O fudge is your reaction phase, and say that to yourself: "Oh fudge." Yeah, and 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 that's basically realizing that you're upset and it's not a bad dream uh it really happened and you're gonna have to deal with it take a deeper breath let it go and then after that's the oh god uh it's like g-a-w-d that's the release phrase that's when you that's when you uh, breathe deeply and you know and you've said to yourself okay uh this is a huge mess i'm gonna have to clean it up but mm-hmm. you know and this stuff always happens to me and then after that is the recentering phase, you go, oh, jeez, and that's, okay, I can fix this, but it's not going to be fun, take a deep breath, let it go, and then it, then you say, oh, well, that's refocusing yourself, and that's where you say, I'm not going to let this ruin my life or my career or, my, or this day, and here's what I need to do right now to make it better, and then the final thing you say is, okay, and that's when you re-engage and you say, I'm ready to fix this. So it's actually a way of talking yourself down from that amygdala hijack and allowing yourself to go up into your human brain and come up with uh, some good answers. And that's great for, for thinking of ourselves. But if you're for me, for example, when I'm sitting in a mediation and the people in the mediation are at that hijack level with each other, you know, so that's when I think that's uh, the, what you have here about listening and getting them back from that reptilian brain and bringing them up through the mm-hmm. mammalian brain up back into the 
the, well, you, know, the... you could train them individually to do that, but there's a tip that uh, I'll bet you've used this, but I'll share that because when I put myself in your situation, which I have been because I've been a mediator also, one of the things that I will do is I will take someone aside and I'll say, what outcome would you like from this mediation? Right. I mean, if it goes well, what would you like? Uh, and what's your the best alternative to a negotiated agreement, your BATNA, you know, right. doesn't, you know what are yeah. you willing to settle on? And then I'll pause and I'll say, do you actually believe that the way you're approaching it is going to get you that? Mm-hmm. I know you're frustrated, but do you really believe that the way you're doing it is going to get you what you want? And often, you know, you're able to, they'll be able to see that it's not. They'll be able to make a distinction between their being frustrated and how that could hurt their chances. Well, that's a perfect way to end, Mark. We are just done now. So I didn't have a chance. To, I want to just make sure that you give that other website because we are really out of time. If you would do that right yeah, now. Yeah, people, people can uh, reach me. There's a campaign I've started called Healing the World, One Conversation at a Time. And if you go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Dr. Mark Goulston, Patreon dot com forward slash Dr. Mark Goulston, M-A-R-K-G-O-U-L-S-T-O-N. All my blogs, all the stuff that I'm writing everywhere is being focused and funneled into that. Well, that's wonderful, Mark. So you keep in touch, and we'll have you back again, okay? I look forward to it. Thank okay, you, Mark. thank you. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. And please listen next Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. It's about trust. Yeah, yeah. It's about faith. It's about trust. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.